Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I'm so glad you're here. Happy Sunday. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us, especially in ski season. Can I just say, well done, prioritizing the gathering. Want you to play, want you to have fun, want you to shred the gnar and all of that stuff, but also want you to be here in community. So really glad that you're gathering with us in person. If you're online, so glad that you're almost here. Really grateful that you're uh, joining online. Hey, if you're a first-time guest with us in the room or online today, just want to know no matter where you want you to know, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. Our desire is to meet you where you are, whatever that means for you today, help you take some next steps in your spiritual journey. So we hope you find yourself encouraged today and invited into an incredible community that we feel like God is building here. And so we are um, in this brand new series today, Identity, Calling, and Community. You guys excited about it? I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Um, and we've been talking a lot about this over the last couple. So if you want to go back and check it out on our podcast, our YouTube channel, we spent some time building the direction for the year in January, and now we are getting into this new series. I've got a couple of quick announcements for you before we get in to the message today, and then we're going to dive into the intro of this brand new series. So real fast, number one, uh, we are wrapping up our last week of 21 days of prayer, fasting, and scripture reading, and so um, really uh, proud of you guys, everyone that's been digging in. We have these awesome scripture journals in the lobby. You're welcome to grab one on your way out if you don't already have one. We've been walking through the book of John together. Uh, Listen, no matter where you find yourself on on your spiritual journey, it's really helpful. If you want to know more about the story of Jesus, this is a great place to start on your own, not just taking my word for it or someone else's or your experience, but reading it for yourself. Who was Jesus? What did he say about himself? What kinds of things did he do? What kinds of people did he engage with? And so we've been walking through this a chapter a day over the last 21 days. We are now going into our last week, so it's been 14, I suppose, not the last 21. And also we've been in a rhythm of fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, pressing into our relationship with God, giving up food to create a hunger in our bodies that we can then point towards our relationship with God. This is not a hunger strike to, you know, against God, by the way, in case you're new to fasting, right? This is intentionally creating a hunger in ourselves that we then direct toward cultivating a relationship with God. So if you're just now coming back, like New Year, this is your first time back to City Church, and you're like, oh, we're in a rhythm. Welcome to the rhythm. You can jump in. It's not too late. Last week, so I just want to encourage you in that. We're walking through all of that in our city group, so I highly recommend that you stick it out and give it one more week. And then uh, last but not least, this coming Friday, there is a Galentine's event here at City Church, 6 p.m. Where's all my Galentine's ladies at? You guys pumped about it? Yeah. I won't be there. So I'm excited for you, but I'm kind of curious what I'm missing out on. So it's going to be a super cool evening to hang out, connect, build community, asking you to bring a drink and a snack to share. And it'll just be a really cool evening to connect and build some community with all the ladies. So you're invited, even if you're brand new to City Church, it's going to be a really cool way uh, just to build some community intentionally. So highly recommend you stick that on your calendars and show up. Dudes, you're not invited, okay? So don't show up. That'd be weird. 
Um, but, but if you're a dad and you got some kids, then you can be on dad duty while mom goes out and has a fun time with the gals. That's all of the announcements that I have. Now back to the series. You guys ready to kick it off? So we've been uh, introing, our, our desire as a community is to practice the way of Jesus together in Boulder. We are committed to this journey together of practicing the way of Jesus as in a way of life, not just a set of beliefs, not rearranging the mental furniture of our mind in order to correspond with what's happening in a social club, but rather this way of life with Jesus. So we are committed together, and you're invited today to practice the way of Jesus together in Boulder. And we said it looks like the way we flesh that out in community is we are committed to uh, really surrounding and defining our lives by three things as Jesus followers. And listen, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're trying to figure this Jesus thing out, or you're new to church, or you've been around church, you walked away from the church, you're not really sure where you find yourself spiritually today, listen, you're totally loved and safe and welcome here, but you're also invited to press in. So the invitation from Jesus is to first be with Jesus. The second one is, anybody know? become like Jesus, and the third thing is to ultimately do what Jesus did. So over and over again, what's the space? The invitation to follow Jesus is to be with Jesus. It starts in relationship. Become like Jesus, that you're not all that you could be. There's some brokenness inside of us and some beautiful things inside of us, and Jesus is forming us and making us, and then ultimately becoming the kind of people that do what he did. And that's what we're after as a community. And one of the questions that we ask, have you guys heard the question, like, what would Jesus do? You guys remember the, you've been around for a minute, the WWJD bracelets? We have some of these bracelets that float around. If you go through our growth track, they'll be on the table. You can grab one, and they have HWLF. The answer to the WWJD, what would Jesus do, is he would love first. It's pretty clever. Okay, it's good. Throwback. You can grab one if you want it. They're free. But one of the questions that we kind of expand on, it's great to ask, what would Jesus do? And even if you're not a Jesus follower, like, we can assume Jesus will probably do some good stuff, so maybe that's a helpful question for you. But one of the questions that we dig into is, what would Jesus do if he were me? Because you can't remove following Jesus from your person, that you're a whole being, personality, gender, stage of life, where you live, work and play, talents, gifts and brokenness, experiences, all the things that have shaped you for better or worse, all of those things inform your invitation to follow Jesus. And, and again, we, we don't want to get it backwards. We don't ask the question, what would I do if I were Jesus? Because well, who knows what that would, where that would take us. We asked the question, what would Jesus do if he were me, if he had my life in this season of life, my gender, my job, my workplace, my family dynamics? And it's a really important question that you and I are invited to wrestle with because it's not just about following Jesus individually, but we follow Jesus together. And so as you wrestle with that question, how we answer that has a lot to do with your understanding of yourself and of God. Yes or no? Yeah, right? I mean, who I believe God to be and who I understand myself to be are going to inform how I answer the question, what would Jesus do if he were me? And so one of the things we're going to be wrestling with in this season is who, who am I and who is God and who am I in relation to God and what does that have to do with how I relate to you? What messages and moments have shaped you into the person that you are today? One of the things that I've started to pray with, uh, uh, with my boys in the evenings is uh, I just kind of give them little prayers to begin to think on. They're young. They're, they're seven and 
five. And so right now I really just kind of insert prayers for them. <laughs> hey, pray this. Let's pray this. I'll pray it over them. But one of the prayers I've been lately praying over them is God help me to know your will and your plan for my life. God, help Grayson to know your will and your plan for his life. God, help Asher to know your will and your plan for his life. Why? Because I want them to get it into their being, that they are created on purpose by a God who loves them, and they have, he has a plan and a purpose for their life. And also, by the way, it's okay that I'm still praying that prayer over myself, right? Like, kind of figured out what God's doing in my life, but also like, hey, God, what's up this week? Like, where are we going? What are we doing? You're welcome to make some pivots. And so some of you, you're aware of this. You have that kind of uh, fabric in your being already that you know that there's a God who loves you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And maybe some of you feel like you're in it and others of you are not even sure if God likes you, so much less if there's a plan and a purpose. And are we just kind of, you know, an accident walking around, brains on legs? Like, like what is it about this life that has meaning? And so, have you ever had a moment, and you might not, I don't know if you've, hopefully you've had some of these moments, where you kind of have just an identity moment, you're like, man, this is who I am. Kind of a clarity around identity. It doesn't, like, they're not always super clear, but there's like defining moments in your life where like something becomes clear about who you are and who you are not. And then, and then other pieces of it, it's kind of unique how these go in tandem. You ever had a moment when you, when you kind of felt like I was made for this? Like whatever this is, like maybe you're in a, 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 a conversation and something comes alive in you or you pick up an instrument and all of a sudden like, you know, and there's things that you're made for and not made for, right? And you know it and other people do too, <laughs> right? They're like, oh, hey, maybe you should try something else. <laughs> like singing, you know, is great for you in the shower, but that, maybe you should stay there, right? Like that, that's, we, we have these unique things, like, but there's, there's something sometimes that comes alive in you. You ever had those moments when you're like, this? And maybe it looks nothing like what your parents dreamed for you or what the education system said you should amount to or what the Western culture has told you you should do to be significant. And other times, you ever had like something just die on you, uh, die on the inside, like you're doing something, you're just like little pieces of you are slowly dying. <laughs> you're like, okay, maybe I'm not made for this. And it's okay, but like we, we live this life and it's, and it's messy, but as we talk about identity, I've been th- I was thinking about it this week, like the last couple of really popular Disney movies have all been about identity. Have you guys noticed that? Like when Encanto came out, what's it about? It's a movie around identity and discovery. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, okay, I'm just going to ruin it for you, but identity and discovery and, and purpose and, right, there's all these unique things. I mean, there's that cool song um, by, by the strong girl. What's her name? Louisa. Right, and she's like, I'm the strong one. She's got like this facade that she's had to put on for her family, but then the song is about on the inside how, man, she she just is dying under the pressure and expectations of of those around her. Right, it's and then you got frozen, conceal, don't feel, right? I mean, that's like the mantra of our generation right now. And and then you have a Coco. How many of you guys like Coco? It's a good movie, right? What's it about? It's like family pressures and a bunch of dysfunction right? He wants to be a musician. He comes alive, and everybody's like, no, we don't do that because I have a wound from this over here, and I'm going to wound you with my wound. That's like your family, right? Like, you're like, this is my family of origin story. It's really interesting that Disney's getting into that. 
Our identity, our calling, it influences who we become, what we do. So here's a quote I want to give you from John Mark Comer. And by the way, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm just the guy that got here first, so I stole a ton of what we're talking about today from a bunch of other smart people, okay? And you're going to hear from them. So John Mark Comer says it this way. He says, the journey of discovering your identity and your calling is one that all Jesus followers are invited into. Everyone's invited into But he says, sadly, he goes on, many never do. Many never step into the the, the discovery journey of identity and calling, who I am and what I'm made to do. One of the key tasks of what we call following Jesus or discipling under Jesus or apprenticing under Jesus, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, which is really what this series is, is focused on, is the becoming part around this identity and calling, one of the key tasks is is discovery. That you and I are not all that we're made to be, no matter what your stage of life is today. So let me give you a couple of quotes. This is from St. Augustine. Um, He said, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? And then he gives this famous prayer. He says, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I might know thee, or you, if you don't speak old school English. God, help me to know myself so that I can know you. The knowledge of self and self-discovery. St. Teresa of Avila said it this way, almost all problems, all problems, this is interesting, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. Pete Scuzzero said it this way, and this this hits home for me. He says, the vast majority of us Go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectations for us. And this does, this is a strong word, violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately others. When you, when you go through our growth track and you join the team here at City Church, you become a part of this family, one of the resources that we give you is this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And, and, and this is the guy that wrote it. And it's a phenomenal book. In fact, it's a great tandem. If you've never read this book, it, the reason we give it to you is because we want to help you in the practice and the way of Jesus. And, and when I began following Jesus, a lot of things changed and there's a lot of stuff under the surface that did not It was not until God called us to plant City Church, we moved to Colorado, I picked up this book because I went through an assessment and all of the trainers said, okay, we think God's calling you to plant a church, but we're worried about you. They didn't say that out loud, but I could tell by the resources they recommended (laughs) that they were like, all right, bro, you got some work to do. And so they handed me this book and a couple of others and said, you should read these before you start that church. I'm like, whatever, emotionally healthy, spirituality. I had an emotion like once in my life and, you know, that's... I didn't even know what to do with this. So I'm like, well, we don't need those. Let's just put those away. So I read this book, and, and like all of a sudden, I realized, like, wow, like for the last 26 years of my life, I've been just, you know, an emotional idiot. <laughs> you know, like uh, totally, like I've got the emotional bandwidth of a teaspoon, like Harry Potter says, right? Like I just, I'm like, wow, there's these things called feelings. Did you guys know that? And they're like, you know, something you should listen to, and, you know, they're helpful. Huh. Anyway, so I read that book and I'm like, wow, I went from emotionally unaware to just simply aware that I was emotionally unhealthy. I didn't get healthy from that book. I just became aware 
of all of my issues. And then through the help of community, which by the way, that's why this series is so t- like tied to our city groups and everything going on, is as we go on this journey together, you will not become all that Jesus has created you to become without community around you because we all have these unique blind spots. So this, so this invitation into a self-awareness and discovery is maybe some, some of you have been on this journey for a minute. Some of you are new to it. Some of you might feel stuck in that process. We'll talk about all of that. But, but I want you to know, because I'm, I'm the skeptic, this is not an invitation into like the sappy journey of hippy-dippy land of getting to know yourself. This is an invitation into self-discovery that is tied to the invitation. It's part of our spiritual formation. Think about it. How many stories have you heard, or, or like these like news headlines of celebrity pastors who are doing all of the right Jesus stuff, they've got all the right things happening, and then they implode their life from the inside out because they were totally blind to their, what, what Peter calls the, the shadow side of yourself, right? How many times do we have to see those headlines, even if you're not a follower of Jesus? How many couples do you know who who carry potential for a really incredible marriage, but they ended it early because they were unaware of both the inner beauty in themselves and the person that they were married to, as well as their deep inner brokenness? And so then their marriage didn't make it because they were both unaware of themselves and the person that they were living life with. How many parents, think this might be true of your story, how many parents or how many people in the room had parents who were blind to their own brokenness, to a wound that maybe they had from their own childhood, the baggage that they carried into relationship, and then they spewed that unhealth onto their family unknowingly, right? They're doing the best, that I hear it all the time. Man, my parents did the best that they can, but there was still a lot of damage in that best. Or, or, or maybe, they, they, maybe they were like solid and they didn't carry their baggage over into your dynamic, but they were also unaware of helping you discover who you were. They were unaware or, or ill-equipped to, to help you in that discovery process, and so they just kind of entered you into a mold of who they thought you should be, and so now you live under the weight of that expectation. Self-awareness is just really tricky, and, and listen, the second we start to dig into it, it kind of gets like a little intimidating. And a goal of our city groups is there are safe places to process community and be together and begin to let God open up what's going on on the inside. But our self-awareness and self-discovery, it's directly connected to our relationship both to God, to ourselves, and to others. And so this journey, it it reveals all of this beauty that God has put inside of you, which some of you, you feel worthless today. And there is a God that wants to speak life over you. And some of you, if you're like me, you have this, this weird thing that switches inside of you where you have a worthless moment and then you have a super prideful moment and you think you have it all together and then and there's also this deep brokenness inside of you that you just wish that wasn't there. You try to hide it, you try to cover it, you try to ignore it. We are all in the room deeply loved and deeply broken. All different journeys with different wounds that influence us. Some of us have wounds that influence things that we are totally unaware of and there's some deep formation that we haven't even tapped into, and there's other areas of our lives that are just simply jacked up, right? Like we're just selfish in some areas, and so there's this brokenness that we have inside of us. We're trying to figure out who we're becoming, and the idea is that God loves you, but he also has a plan of making you uniquely into your true, whole self, that Jesus came not just for behavior modification, but as a savior to not only save us from sin, but then to redeem us, to make us whole. And so this process, this invitation today, 
has to start in the place that you have to feel safe in the love that the Father has for you. You have to, before you go on this journey, you have to feel safe in the love that the Father has for you. That's how Jesus talked about God. You have to feel safe by his love. You have to feel safe in his family in order to then have the courage to deal with what's, what's, what's on the inside. And this is a big ask, and I'm just acknowledging it up front. This journey is difficult. But the invitation to, to acknowledge this love that God has for us while simultaneously facing our shadow and letting him heal us and make us whole, this spiritual formation is hard. This journey is rough. And it's a lifetime. This is not an event. This is not like, cool, we did that series. I am now completely whole. This is like an intro series that moves us into a practice as a community of discovering throughout our lives who God has made us to be. And so as you press into the teachings that we do on the weekends in community and practice, you're not becoming a clone of everyone else in the room. You're becoming who God has uniquely made you to be, your true self. Peter uh, Scazzaro, he said it, um, Scazzaro, I always mess up his name. I have no idea how to say his last name. I'm pretty sure it's Scazzaro, but um, I even met the dude and I still have it wrong. I don't even, uh, it's, sorry buddy, if you're watching online, he's not watching online. <laughs> uh, this makes me feel better about myself. Anyway, here's a quote from, from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He said, your shadow side, this brokenness that we have, sorry, it, it's not on the screen, I just wrote it down. He said, your shadow, this brokenness inside of you, he calls it the shadow, is this accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts, that while largely unconscious, that's part of the problem, they strongly influence and shape our behaviors. This is the, the damaged and most hidden version of who we are. So that shadow is always operating in the background. And the goal is discovering and being aware of and then, and then giving God permission into that space. And so what I wanna do this morning is take you to Matthew and just two moments of identity with, with Jesus in, this, in these texts. So uh, it's on the screen, you can use the Bibles and the seatbacks in front of you, the phones, uh, the app on your phones. Those Bibles are a gift to you, by the way. But this is Jesus in Matthew three, and this is just two moments of identity. We'll unpack this again next week in a different light, but I'm just gonna give you two big pictures here, okay? So Jesus, uh, this is when he's like kind of starting his public gig. Up to this point, it's kind of been on the secret, and so now he's coming out with what's known as his public ministry, and he begins to move into this identity and calling thing that God has for his life, and, and this has been true of him up to this point, but now it's becoming public. So watch what's happening here. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened up. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This, this is a really unique moment for Jesus. This is before Jesus has done anything. He gets this incredible identity statement for heaven. Now, Jesus is God in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man. This is not like his moment of becoming deity. He's been God the whole time, but this is a public moment that before he has done anything, when he's stepping into his calling of the purpose that God has called him to, 
God says who he is. This is an identity and calling moment that before he has healed anyone or turned water into wine or, or you know, stuck it to the, the religious leaders or any of the cool stuff that Jesus did, calm the storm, all the impressive son of God stuff, right? There's all these cool things that Jesus does that kind of makes him impressive. And you and I, right, we lean into that identity of I am what I do and I'm impressive when you are admiring my stuff or my job or my career or my personality or whatever we fill in the blanks with, my six-pack, I don't have one, but like, you know, that's one of those impressive things that our culture likes. So, you know, we have those moments, and Jesus is in this moment, this is my son with a six-pack, and I love him, right? No, that's what's going on in the moment. In this moment, God gives an identity statement attached to his calling. Now, what you and I might miss is in the moment, God says, this is my son, and in that is attached his calling. Maybe you've heard the word Messiah or the Christ, which is not Jesus' last name but it's a title, his purpose, that for Jesus, his calling and his identity are uniquely married. And so you and, you and I live in a culture, you go to a hangout party, by the way, in a couple weeks, we have a community night coming up, we get together outside of the church and build community and invite all of our friends who don't go to church and, and they get to come and hang out, we buy them a drink at a bar and we get to build community together and say, hey, church is not as weird as you think it is and these people, they are a little weird, but they're not that weird. And in that moment, what do you ask? Hey, what do you do? Right? And we ask that question a lot because it represents a lot of our identity. And, and the church has, and I'm guilty of this, we swing hard the other way. We're like, oh, well, it's not about what you do that matters. It's who you are. You are not what you do. You're a human being, not a human doing. Right? We say those things. And they're cliche, and, and I think there's some truth to it. But the reality is you can't separate who you are from what you do. That you were created on purpose. You are loved, but you're also created on purpose. You have a calling. You have a unique gifting. That you, yourself, your whole true self is a gift to the world around you. And so in this moment, we see Jesus and his identity and his calling tied together. And this voice is the same voice that when you and I trust in Jesus... He saves us from our sin. He makes us new. He uses the language of being born again, alive spiritually. And in that same moment, this is the posture of God toward you and I. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love. Not attached to your performance or your behavior, but who he says that you are, but still there is an, a calling on your life. Who you are is tied to your calling. You guys tracking with me on that? Second thing, it goes on, Matthew 4, right after this moment. Right after this identity statement, Jesus is led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Anybody had the devil show up last 14 days while we're fasting? It was a joke, guys. It's a, Jesus went. Anyway, all right. So, the devil shows up, and I don't want you to miss this, okay? So you have this incredible moment of identity and affirmation from God the Father. And then right after, the tempter shows up, and he gives three temptations, we'll dig into it next week, but he says, if you are the Son of God, and he gives him three different temptations. But every one is attached, I don't want you to miss it, to his what? His identity. The temptation, the devil doesn't show up tempting Jesus with sex and a line of cocaine. Those would not have been good for Jesus, but like, that wasn't the temptation, right? What was it? 
The temptation from the devil himself was to get Jesus to abandon his identity and calling. If you are the son of God, he calls into question who he is, and then he tries to get him to do something out of, line, out of alignment with his calling. You guys tracking with me? Is it not unique to you like it is to me? In my mind, I'm like, that the devil goes after Jesus' identity? Have you noticed that a lot of the struggles that you and I have in this world are not like trying to get our hands to do the right things or our brains even to do the right things, but it's this whole person endeavor of becoming the person we want to become? And then we get so frustrated when we're not that, and then there's this weird self-talk in your head, these things that you didn't ask for that begin to attack the identity that you have or don't have, the calling that you have or don't have a clarity on. So over and over again, we see this, this temptation to abandon his identity and calling. This is the invitation. Jesus stays true to that line. And as you're reading through John, you can, you can see it yourself. He does exactly what God had called him to do. And so I want you to think of this journey that we're on. We're all invited to discover it, but you're only going to discover it if you take the journey, take the first step. It's not going to happen to you. But John Mark Homer used this, this process. He said, think of this journey as a process, not an event. And I talked to you about that a minute ago. But I want to show you this, uh, the, what he calls the seven stages of discovery. And we're going we're gonna to end with this today. The seven stages of discovery. And this, my goal here today is simply to help you begin to ask the question, where am I and God, what are you doing? Maybe you feel stuck today in this journey. We're going to begin to walk into this as a community. So, he, uh, stage one, he calls sacred foundation. So think about your journey, your timeline. You're going to have a chance in community this week to plot yourself on this map. But think about where you are today walking in, okay? So stage one is he's going to call uh, uh, sacred foundations, which is like your family of origin, your personality, your Enneagram, your Myers-Briggs, like the culture you grew up in, your gender, your socioeconomic status, maybe that you were born into, your race, all the stuff that you couldn't control about your story, that, that's this right here, sacred foundations. You guys tracking with me on that? Okay, so you're all past that. Well, welcome to, you're born, okay? So well done. And so just kind of becoming aware of your sacred foundations that everything that has happened, you didn't choose it, but everything that's happened in your life up to this point has formed you, has shaped you uniquely. Stage two is a stage of discovery. And by the way, these are loose timelines. Don't, don't get stuck in ages. Some of them tend to fall into that. But think of these as all kind of married together, I meaning you could be anywhere in this process. So stage two is discovery. This is where you begin to be like, like in the process of learning and unlearning who you are. This is where you identify those moments where you come alive and then you die a little on the inside. This is where like you have that seasons of success and failure. This is when, you know, a freshman year of high school, I realized I wasn't built for, you know, varsity football. Dream crusher, I know, it was so sad. Um, but like, oh, maybe that's not for me anymore. Um, everyone else grew three feet, even the girls, and I didn't, so we're in trouble. This is not going to work out, right? This is seasons of success and failure. This is when you start to figure out what you're good at and what you enjoy, like, like who you are and then what you're actually uniquely created to do. 
Um, and then there's this unique moment, he calls it stage three, of, of stepping out. And so this is in a season when you begin to get a firmer grasp of who you are, who God made you to be, what you're supposed to do. And there's a moment in this stage when you kind of embrace that and step out. There's like a risk attached to it. You kind of commit one way or the other to the journey that you're on. So odds are most of us in the room um, are, are in this discovery and stepping out stage, and we'll walk into some more of it in, in just a second. But, but I can't remember, like in a moment, I was an engineer in college. College, and I was wrestling with who God was calling me to be, and, and I felt a very strong call from God that he was calling me into some form of like ministry type thing. What, I don't know, like be a pastor. And I'm like, man, that sounds so unfamiliar and really sketchy on the salary side of things. Like engineer is going to have a couple more zeros than being a pastor. And then I just remember in a moment, I had a choice to make of the Holy Spirit making it. This is who I made you to be. Lots of success, lots of failure. Lots of moments of trial and error, but a clear clear moment. This is who I made you to be, and I had a defining moment of stepping out. Continue to be an engineer or step away from that and step into this calling of becoming a pastor. And it was scary, and it was intimidating. My parents thought I was crazy because we had a full ride over here for engineering, and now all this had to come out of pocket. And also, like, everybody, like, who wants to be a pastor? Like, that sounds like a terrible gig. So here we are, and it was great. Don't regret it. <laughs> so you step out. And, and again, that's not God's call in everybody's life, right? Like, what's, what's your calling? And, and then you get into stage four, which is when you begin to get good at what it is that you are uniquely made to do and who you are. So, so this is that, you know, have you guys heard the, you know, 10,000 hours makes you, you know, an expert at something, or at least it's a minimum of 10,000 hours to become really good at something? And so if you play that forward, just in your own timeline, 40 hours a week, let's just say you give 40 hours a week to whatever that thing is that you're good at, it will take you a decade of your life to hit that 10,000 hour mark. So when you're considering your story today, whether you're 22 or 32 or 52, when you move into the getting good space, that's going to represent a decade of your life, no matter where you land. And so some of you are in that right now. You know what it is, but you're still honing that. I think I'm just on the other side of that. You guys should have heard some of the early messages that I gave back in the day. They were rough, dog. I know it's not great today, but I mean, it was like you, I mean, there's like four people in, a, I'm just kidding. But that's not why, but there were four people in the lobby at one point. It was great. It was, it was awesome. Today's just feel better about myself day. So, you know, we're just on this journey together. Um, so what is it for you, right? Maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're a parent, like it, it's man, that calling of parenting, it's singing, it's coding, it's teaching, it's marketing, it's barista-ing, it's counseling, it's, right? What is the thing for you? And it could be multiple things, but odds are there's a thing in your life that, bring, that makes you come alive. Some of you are on the journey of still figuring that out. And then he doesn't call this a stage, but it's called the wall. And uh, the wall comes in our lives at least once. For most people, it comes more than once throughout your life. And this is a moment of crisis. This is a moment in this journey of following Jesus where your identity and your calling are tested. This is where a lot of people stop. A lot of people stop at the wall. So again, think of this as a journey. A lot of people stop in different places. Some people never get to the getting it good. They just kind of settle for maybe what makes a paycheck, and then they float the rest of life without any identity and calling of their own. Some people go past that, but then they hit a wall where you're asking, God, where are you? There's confusion, there's darkness, you feel deeply alone. Where are you? And, and there's all of these questions up against the wall. 
And if you will press through, to my knowledge, I've only been through one up to this point in my life, and it was a deeply depressing, confusing, why did you God, God call me here to Boulder? Why are we doing this? What are we doing? I don't want to do this. I'd rather go anywhere else. I'd rather do anything else. Identity calling, all of it was on the line, and God was nowhere to be found. And if you will hold on to God and his promises and his character through that dark season, then you come out the other side with a clarity around your identity and calling that you did not have prior. There are maybe some scars, but it's the, it's the scars that kind of uniquely make you whole, that you look back and you're grateful for that. And, and I would look back and say, I'm grateful for that wall, although I would not want another one. But there's a chance that there's more coming. And so odds are you and I will hit at least one, um, probably multiple walls throughout our lives where we hit a crisis and it's a moment of identity and calling. Comes into question, the goodness of God comes into question. And if you can press through that, you move into a season of staying faithful and fruitful. And and by the way, um, based on this, this chart that they've made, they said very few people make it this far. Very few people make it through the wall. Even fewer are able to move into this season and actually stay faithful and fruitful. And this is like when idealism in your life moves into reality. This is when all the dreams and hopes are still there, but there's also just the normal grind of maybe you're, now you're in your 30s and you're really good at what you're doing, but you're hitting some walls and you're parenting and you just have the normal grind and there's some mundane setting in and you're like, man, this life has purpose, but it doesn't, Monday doesn't always feel that way. And this is maybe the longest stage, by the way. So as you look at your, this is like probably the 30 to 50 year old range. It doesn't stay in there. But if you're just thinking about timelines of your life, staying faithful and fruitful, once you understand your identity and calling, staying faithful to what God has called you to is what produces the fruit in your life that God wants to produce. The opposite is also true. This is a season when it's really easy to be unfaithful to the things that matter most, and there will be no fruit that follows when there's not faithfulness in our lives to what's been set in front of us. And so if you and I set our metrics of success in this season on the things of the world around us, we're gonna be constantly disappointed. And there will be no fruit to show for it at the end because everything is fading and diminishing. But if you and I set our metrics uh, metrics of success on Jesus and his way and his teachings, then every season of life will continue to be more fruitful. Some of you are brand new to the journey of following Jesus, and it's never too late for this process. Some of you have been in this season for a minute, and you're asking the question, have I already lost it? And the answer is no, because you can start right where you are. But if, if, if we're not careful, this is a season when you look up and you have nothing to show for it at the end of that stage. And then stage six, this is kind of unique. He, t- he called it ending well. I want you to think about how many, if you just go read the Bible on your own, especially all the Old Testament stories. How many people end well? Like people crash and burn all over the place, don't they? Like the Bible's a really encouraging place because you're like, man, they're all jacked up just like me. That's great. How many marriages are ending well? How many people are ending well in their careers? How, how many, genuinely, guys, think about it. You see people hit the prime and they're really good at something, but do they end well? How many marriages survive raising kids and end well? Very few people end well. But we're all invited to end well. We can, with Jesus, end well. And then the last stage that he, he calls it afterglow. And I kind of dig that. It's like the afterburners. Like you spent your entire life, you're out of gas, and now you're just coasting through space, right? 
And so this is that space in your life, probably like the 80s plus space of life where, where you're just enjoying the work of being faithful, enjoying and watching the fruit of your life as a result. And, and the way you know this, if someone's in, this is very few people get here, but, but this is the difference of someone who's 80 and they're full of joy and you want to be around them and you enjoy their company. And then the person who's 80 and you're like, wow, that is the most unpleasant person I've ever been around in my entire life. Well, what's the difference? these stages of discovery into who we're becoming, that God has a plan for you at 20 and at 80. If you don't know Ralph and Shirley here on the front row, they are some of the most incredible people in this ending and afterglow stage of life that I have ever met. So ask them, hey, how'd you get there? <laughs> Tell me your secret. All right, here's how we're going to close. Uh, Daniel's going to come and play. We're going to close with some songs. But th this journey is incredible, okay? The, the invitation in discovery is not an easy one. But the journey is incredible, and it's incredibly difficult. There are tons of forks in the road throughout our lives, and, and oftentimes you and I need to stop. We need to listen. And there have been many times in my life where I can press into my identity and calling, or I can take the easy road. And every day, you and I have those moments. But I, need to, I just want to encourage you, you're not on this journey alone of self-discovery. This is not an event. This is a process, meaning in six months, you might look up and begin to see the glimpse after being in community and pressing into the way of Jesus. You're like, wow, this is beginning to shape. Community takes time. This journey takes time, and it's hard. And can I just give you a word? Listen, if you're a parent in the room, not, not, there's not a lot of them, but if you're a parent in the room, I just want to remind you, because I've been just brutally reminded of it lately, to be a student of your kids. That your task is helping them discover who they are. Our culture, right, it's normal. It's normal right now to be overwhelmed and to have commitment phobia and to be insecure and have a thousand options of what you could be without any direction, right? That maybe you grew up in a home where parents said, hey, I believe in you. And then they just sent you to see you. <laughs> and you're like, cool, but like, who am I? And so, so one of the tasks of parenting is being a student of your children. To help them discover who they are. God's plan for their life. And there are many in our culture that, that did not have moms and dads to help them unfold the unique calling in their lives. And it's met with question marks and depression and wondering. The last quote I want to give you is from this, this famous rabbi. He said it this way. He said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? He's a rabbi, so that would have been like the, the standard, right? Why weren't you Moses? They're going to ask me, why were you not Zusa? At the end of your life, they're not going to say, why, why weren't you like your brother? Why weren't you like your dad? Why weren't you like your hero? Drake, why weren't you more like? But why weren't you Drake? You and I live in a constant tension and bombardment around identity, and there's no accident. There's a God who loves you, he made you on purpose. He made you for a purpose. All of the beauty inside of you, all of the brokenness inside of you 
He is working together for good if you'll take the step with him. So here's the practice for this week. As we press into practice number one, I want to just invite you to continue into the last week of scripture reading and prayer and fasting. And if it's your first week, then start. That's totally fine. Dig into the scriptures, journal, process, fast, and ask some of these questions. Number two, identify your place in the seven stages. You're going to have a chance to do that in your city groups this week. If you're not a part of a city group, you're invited to any of them. They're on our website. You can check it on your connection card. But you're going to identify where you are in those seven stages, and then a couple of things we're going to do with that. You're going to identify your greatest joy in this stage. You might even do this today over lunch. Identify your greatest joy in this stage. Number two, identify your greatest obstacle in this stage. And lastly, I want to invite you this week to talk to God and your community about it. What does that obstacle mean? What would it look like to go to the next stage? What does God have for you right now? I can't answer those questions for you, but there is a God who loves you. He's not hiding from you. He's present. He cares. He's seen all of it that you've gone through. All of your questions and doubts, he's not intimidated by. And he has a desire to walk with you, and so do we. So I hope that you're encouraged by that. Let me pray for you. Will you bow your heads with me? As you, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm just going to invite you in a moment of privacy and, and reflection to listen to the Spirit of God. Maybe there's healing that's taking place in your heart today that you would believe those words over your life. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love and who I'm well pleased with. Before you do anything, before you change anything, it's the posture of God over your life. Some of you have been floating, not asking those deep questions, just letting the grind take you, maybe chasing the cultural success moments that you see around us and maybe there's just something inside of you that's saying, man, you're made for more. Maybe you hear the Spirit of God saying, I have so much more for you. More healing in your brokenness, more purpose and joy in what I've called you to. Some of you have been resistant toward community because you're intimidated you don't want to be hurt. And maybe today God is calling you to take a step into community. Some of you, you're followers of Jesus, but you've never been publicly baptized. You've never taken a step after making a decision to follow Jesus, gone under the water, and come back up. And that is an invitation into identity. That I am a follower of Jesus. His death, his burial, his resurrection has given me new life. And that life gives me purpose and identity. And maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to be baptized for the first time. And lastly, others of you in the room, maybe as we're sitting here, you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus as the Son of God, the one who lived a perfect life like you and I cannot, the one who died on a cross in our place for our sin, the one who was buried and three days later rose from the grave proving that he was who he said he was, that he can do in my life and in your life what he said he would do. And maybe for the first time, you're willing to take a step and say, Jesus, I believe that's who you are. I trust in your character, and I want to follow you.
And if you're making that decision today, I want to encourage you to lean in and say yes to Jesus because heaven is celebrating over that decision and so are we. So Father, as we sing and we pray and we respond, would you lead us through your Holy Spirit in our next steps? This is in Jesus' name, amen.